This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for another edition Oh, Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast, also heard on the radio in Las Vegas on The Bet. So those of you listening in Las Vegas, hope you're keeping cool uh, and you're getting ready for one more week until the Raiders come home and kick off the season there at Allegiant Stadium. I am Scott Cobranson, your host. I am joined by my co-host, my partner in this whole rigmarole jazz thing or whatever it is we call we do here. Um, that is Mr. Mo Moten, also a.k.a. Midtown Mo. He's a senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report also writes about the Raiders on sportsnot.com where you can also catch him on the X or X.com. I've now noticed, Mo, news organizations are saying it this way. X.com, the site formerly known as Twitter. Seems a little long that's, to me. That's actually protocol because I've actually that's, gotten that. That's, that department I think it's AP, that's, AP style, I think. I, I got to double that, check. You have to add that formally known as Twitter because you just say X.com. It sounds kind of sketchy. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> I like you when you say Twitter X. I think that's pretty funny. But I like Twitter X. But anyway, you can follow Mo there if you dare because his his food uh, opinions don't always jive with everybody else's. Uh, at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-U-N. I'm at LV Gully. You can also catch my work up on sportsnot.com where I write about a little bit of everything. Mo, I'm actually working on a baseball story. A long baseball story, which I haven't done in probably 20 years. Very interesting. I'm going back and you sometimes, you know, when you're when you when you do the craft and you don't do it for a while, it it's it's one of those situations where you you kind of have to relearn some of it. Ba- you know, going back and talking about baseball when I've been doing football for eight years now, um, it's 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 different. I know you do basketball, but you don't do baseball, right? I grew up a Met fan. I'm not going to even talk about baseball today. Yeah, that doesn't. Ca- hey, I'm a Padre <laughs> fan. Neither one play baseball. They just <laughs> run I, around. Out listen, there. I, I know the fans. Are, I know the fans are not here to, here to hear you talk about how bad the Padres are. No, they're, they're here for the man of the hour, Matt Holder. Yes, yes, we're today. we're getting there, and and so Mo just uh, decided to go ahead and introduce him. So, but that's good. We'll bring him in because he's got to get he's got to get out of here and do some things too. He's got a lot of work to do. It's football season. I mean, geez, he he only 
makes everybody smarter about football by teaching <laughs> us things. Uh, Matt Holder from Bleacher Report is with us. He also writes up on Silver and Black Pride, part of SB Nation, covering the Raiders. Uh, and uh, welcome back to the show, Matt. All right, so we're going to talk about Tyree Wilson. We're going to go a little in-depth. A lot of fans, I mean, the video, you've seen Brian Baldinger, who's on our show all the time. He did a video. Uh, Ted up at The Athletic did a video. You've done a video. People are noticing this. Um, I tried to calm people down a little bit because people were like, hey, so slow off the ball. Yes, he was. Uh, but you could see some of the the, the flashes there that made him a first-round draft pick. But when you look at this, it's not surprising to you. You're like, uh, hello, I studied the whole entire draft. Tell us a little bit about Tyree Wilson, the college player, before he was drafted and kind of what the upside-downside was for him, and then we'll transition into how we're seeing it now. Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest things that's kind of coming to fruition, as uh, Baldy uh, very eloquently uh, pointed out in, on his little rants on Twitter, and I, I even mentioned too, I, I almost felt bad for the guy, like you said, like, like all the people are picking on him, like I'm just joining in on the party, but um, what's the get off? Like that was something at Texas Tech that kind of noticed um, in his last year right there where he was always just kind of laid off the ball. And that's something that can be developed working with a veteran guy like Max Crosby, who, I mean, Max Crosby's talked about. You know, some of the things that he keys on, um, you know, he's I think he's even said he didn't even watch the ball anymore. He kind of like studies film during the week and sees what offensive linemen, what body part they move first. Hmm. And uh, then he starts getting off and or then he translates that to the game to help his get off. So I think working with a guy like Max Crosby over the flash, uh, for the next few years can help him, you know, get better in that department. That's something that's fixable. Um, don't not huge on his initial quickness either, which is a little bit less, you know, um, being able to, or being a little bit less uh, fixable in a sense. To, sorry, forget my words here. Great for the podcast, um, but yeah. So, you Mo, know, because it has effect on people. Man. Yeah, I know exactly. Right, it's almost fault. I like so I like to play it. It's, it's the yeah. chain. It's the chain. It is. In your it's eyes. it's just it. shining and, and distracting me. But uh, anyway, um, a little bit of the, like the athleticism issues that I think are you know you're seeing a little bit in part of his head. That's something that's going to be he's going to have to work with. But again, you know, like you guys said, I keep going to keep going back to that Dallas Cowboys game where he, you know, pushed that poor tackle uh, halfway to Austin <laughs> or whatnot and, uh, you know, was physically dominant. So I think, you know, those are the traits that you're going to see. And we've seen the flashes. We've seen, you know, what made him so, so successful at Texas Tech and like a man amongst boys at certain times. Um, it's just obviously when you have the first uh, first taste and it doesn't exactly look good. <laughs> can uh, get fans a little angry. You know, obviously you'd love to have your, your top 10 pick hit the ground running, but at the end of the day, he is still a rookie. And I think this situation too for him in Denver, um, you know, obviously not having participated in any of the off-season workouts or the combine stuff with the foot injury, then missing, you know, training camp or most of training camp, had the training wheels on during training camp. The guy's just not in playing shape right now. And then on top of it, you go out and play in Denver, which is probably the worst spot to play with the altitude up there. For someone who's not in shape yet, and I think that's a big part of why he didn't start, even with everything that was going on with Chandler Jones. So, a lot of mixed or a lot of stuff going on that I think wasn't working in his favor. And again, I think got to be a little bit more patient with him because of that injury and because he's not in shape yet. You know, let's 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 let him get a, at least to till October so we start uh, calling for his job, right? And man, that, that's what I was gonna say. Is how long do you think it will take him? You just answered the question right there, October. And I've always said on my Bleach Report lies and on this show that. I give it the second half of the season. I want to see what Tyree yeah. Wilson looks like in the second half of the season because 
he didn't have much time in training camp, had 12 snaps in the in the preseason. So I ask you this, is it, because I saw some fans asking this question, how much of it do you think is he's just slow getting off the ball, which you put in your Bleach Report scouting report for Tyree Wilson, I remember. But how much of it is do you think he was just in his own head, overthinking it as a rookie, not having so much time on the field? Because I think some of that too is you have to, people say you have to play and not just react to everything. And it seemed like he was just, not was just, but he was the last guy off the ball. And it was just a lot of reacting and not playing football. So as he gets comfortable, I think naturally do you think that gets better, his get off the ball? Yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, like I said, I think working with a guy like Crosby and starting to pick up those veteran tricks of the trade that uh, can definitely help him out. Um, you know, at Texas Tech, he was the man. He wasn't the guy that was looking for advice. He was the guy that people were coming to him for advice for. And I think that's a transition for a lot of rookies. So, I mean, like you said, you know, as he gets in better shape, as he gets more experience and starts picking up on things, that's something that can definitely get better, you know. Um, so I, I like where you're at, we're at with like the saying about midseason to start to judge him. I definitely agree with you. When I was talking to October, I'm saying a little more tongue in cheek. So, yeah, <laughs> I think once the uh, once November starts rolling around, once the midseason, then we can really start getting into and nitpicking his game. But, yeah, I definitely uh, definitely hear you on as they as the year goes on. I think that get off will get better. I don't know if it'll ever be, you know, the elite that we're talking about in the NFL, but I bet he's not going to be, you know, half a second off, laid off the ball like we saw him uh, this past week. Yeah, that anticip that snap anticipation. I mean, that that one clip obviously is is going to haunt him until it doesn't, which means you know <laughs> when he starts doing a better job of it, because it is it it is shocking when you see Max Crosby, and again, it's not fair to compare the two because Max Crosby, although a fourth round draft pick, not a first round has that experience and he's been working at his craft as a professional. So I think it, it goes uh, it goes a little different there. But when you look at that, too, in, in, in focusing, I mean, obviously they look at the film, the team watches the film together, everybody sees it. So that becomes an early test. To your point about he was a leader at Texas Tech, people came to him uh, with all sorts of things, whether it was football-related, off the field, whatever. Now he's in the position where he's he's got to find his way. And so it becomes a true test of character there as well. What do we know about him when it comes to that? He's had challenges with injuries and things like that in the past as well. But but how for a player coming in as a rookie, as much scouting as you do of the draft, um, when a guy comes in and he's, look, he's king of the hill in college, and then he comes in and guess what? He's starting at the bottom rung. How hard is it for guys to do that? And, and, and when can you tell if a guy's not able to? Yeah, I mean, I think – you know, one of the best things I think you can kind of compare it to is it's like going, you know, from eighth grade to your freshman year of high school where you're all of a sudden you're in the big, uh, you're not the, the big fish in the small pond anymore. You're mm-hmm. the small fish in the big pond. So I think, yeah, that's definitely something you, you know, you can grow with and that you can kind of step in your own leadership and uh, step in your own leadership and, uh, you know, kind of make yourself better. But as far as the timeline, I mean, everyone's so different, especially with that kind of stuff. You know, he was a guy that, like I said, was a, a captain at uh, Texas Tech and was a leader there. All the reports about him off the field were pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good, and no, no red flags or anything like that. Um, so I think he will put it together. You know when exactly that happens, and when he starts kind of coming, coming more comfortable. Usually, I feel like that probably happens around like the second or third year with a guy where a guy's you know got their feet wet, they have experience, and they know what they're doing a little bit more. They're not running around like a chicken with their head cut off, which most <laughs> rookies are. So yeah, probably at least probably a couple of years for for Tyree. But again. You know, he has the, the background and everything you're looking for um, for someone to step up like that. 
So I think one thing I would suggest for Tyree Wilson, he's to watch Chiefs tackle Jawan Taylor if he wants to get a good step off the ball and just kind of be early out of his stance. Because as you saw in that season opening game, Jawan Taylor is basically in the backfield before the ball was snapped. So if he wants to get some pointers, Jawan Taylor from the Chiefs is the guy to contact. But we won't beat up on Tyree Wilson. I, I will say this. The Raiders have an important game coming up against the Buffalo Bills. Josh Allen's a mobile quarterback. Yes, he has the turnovers. I say he has some Brett Favre in him. But he's mobile and he, and he can hurt you. Because the Bills, if they can put up 21 points just like that if he's on fire. The Raiders obviously can see that what we see. Tyree Wilson is not there yet. Who should the Raiders give their snaps to on the edge, assuming Tyree Wilson maybe dials back on his role? Because I think Malcolm Kuntz had some nice plays, maybe didn't have you know something you would look at in the box score, two sacks. But I, I think that he's a more ready-made player to, to be on the field against the pass rush, on the pass rush, over Ty Wilson. Perhaps Isaac Isaac Rochelle, who I think had a pretty good preseason debut this year. He only played two snaps against the Broncos. He had an injury, I believe. The Raiders waved him, brought him back on the practice squad. But he's the type of player that could play inside and outside, kind of like how they use Jerry Tillery. And I think Isaac Rochelle could be a better player, that inside-outside player, over Tillery. Is there anyone in particular that you're looking at maybe to get more snaps against the Buffalo Bills? Well, you kind of took the the words right out of my mouth there, Mo. I'm definitely Sorry. a big proponent of. Oh, you're good. You're, uh, I'm definitely a big proponent of giving Malcolm Kuntz some uh, some more snaps in Buffalo. You know where he where he went to college, so a little bit more familiar place for him. Right. Um, Kuntz was a guy that definitely popped up up on the tape for me uh, when I was watching the Broncos game. And I'll be honest, going into the season, I wasn't really high on him. I didn't think he would play much. I think in my final 53 man projection, I left him off of it or thought he might get <laughs> traded. And Again, week one, I'm sitting here saying he needs to play more. So I'm willing to put my hand up and say that that guy uh, – or said I was wrong on that guy. I think he flashes a pass rusher. Like you said, didn't have sacks, but on Crosby's sack, if Crosby didn't get it, a half second later, uh, Malcolm Koontz was going to get it. And he had another rush too where he had a, a did a nice job turning speed to power. And he surprised me a little bit with his run defense. That's always going to be his struggle – or that's always going to be the struggle with Koontz. Um, but he even had a couple nice plays where – you know, he's making guys miss or making offensive linemen miss. He's never going to be someone that's going to go through a guy's chest. But if you can use his uh, athletic ability to to get in the backfield and get some penetration, that's something that I think um, the Raiders defensive line can use, especially this past week. So I'd like to see Malcolm Kuntz get the start this week over Jerry Tillery. So, but we'll see how it happens. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Matt, let me ask you this question, too, as we're talking about the defense. Um, in the first game of the season, the win over Denver, I thought it was a tale of two halves. I thought early on they really struggled. And then as they got in the second half, obviously they made some big stops, too, which was huge for this team to be able to win the game. What did you see overall? I mean, I, Mo and I talked about it uh, uh, before on our last show about the fact that, you know, we were really underwhelmed by the safety play. Trayvon Morig still con continues to struggle as Marcus Epps had some nice moments, but he also had some, some moments that weren't so great. Uh, and then of course you, we were talking about before we went on the air and, and talking about earlier about Nate Hobbs best tackler on the team. I think mm -hmm. he's really just continues to develop nicely, but what did you see overall with this defense now going into Buffalo and having to contend with a team actual that has an actual 
functioning offense, unlike Denver. Now, I know Denver didn't do terrible, but clearly they're not in the same class. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that stood out to me about the defense was kind of what you're talking about was Nate Hobbs was playing a little bit more, almost like a the third linebacker. The Raiders, they ran maybe a few plays outside of their nickel personnel. You know, I think Spillane came in as the third linebacker for maybe four or five plays. Um, but for the most part, even when the Broncos were going in their heavy personnel and their their jumbo packages, Hobbs was staying in the game, and he held his own. I mean, he had a pretty good uh, showing against the run. Um, like you said, uh, a willing tackler. So that was something that was really encouraging for me. You know, I think the safety play can definitely get better. You know, Mary, that one touchdown that uh, he gave up, he just kind of lost his guy in coverage, and Epps gave up the other one. But what I will say in support of both those guys is both those were off scrambles where the pass rush just didn't hit home. It's hard to cover for six, seven seconds out there, and that's what was killing the Raiders. And that was honestly what kept the Broncos in the game is a lot of the Broncos' big plays and uh, their two touchdowns were literally off scrambles. Off scramble. And I think that's one of the things that kind of worries me going into this Bills game is that's where Josh Allen wants. Like Josh Allen would almost rather have you just, you know, not uh, just cover it up and cover up the play initially and then turn it into a backyard football stick in the dirt. That's how he, that's when he's at his best, when he can create. And same with a guy like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert's in the same vein too. The Raiders are going to have to see four times or two times each this year. So that's kind of one of my biggest concerns is, you know, is this pass rush, is someone going to start winning the one-on-one matchups besides Max Crosby? Because again, that was one of their, biggest weaknesses and I think a big reason why Denver was able to move the ball on him last week. Now you do a pretty good show, a damn good show with Marcus Johnson, who I'm familiar with. Shout out to him. Uh, tape don't lie, right? So I know you guys looked at the offensive line, so I want to switch over to the offensive side of the ball. What did you see from the offensive line? Because the one thing that I will say a lot of people ask, why didn't Hunter Renfro get enough, you know, more snaps? And what I saw was they had an extra offensive lineman out there or in-line tight end. So if you have an extra offensive lineman out there, somebody has to come off the field, and it's not going to be Devontae Adams. It's not going to be <laughs> Jacoby Myers with his connection with Jimmy Garoppolo. It had to be Hunter Renfro. But I'll let you talk. What, what did you see from the offensive line and how did it impact the, the Raiders' offense? Well, I think one of the biggest things was, you know, what I was just saying about the Raiders' pass rush not getting home. The, the Raiders' offensive line did excellent pass protection too, which we kind of know to come from them from last year. I thought they did an excellent job running game. You know, I was a little underwhelmed with them, especially in the red zone. You know, Marcus pointed that out in our latest episode, how they weren't getting enough push. And when you start to get in the red zone, that's when you need to start moving people out of the way because defenders don't have as much space to carry or to cover so they can come down and be a little bit more aggressive. So I think that was one of the biggest things is, you know, in pass protection, they were definitely stout. The running game, I felt like they left a little bit of meat on the bone. You know, I know they were bringing in Thayer Munford as that extra tight end, which they kind of need because right now their tight ends aren't exactly the greatest blockers right now with Michael Mayer and Austin Hooper. Um, but at the same time, you can't average, you can't do that, bring the bring an offensive tackle onto the game more and still average 2.1 yards per carry, which I think was what they ended with. So I definitely feel like, you know, that's the biggest area for improvement, um, you know, for them offensively as a whole is just if, if they can start moving the ball and start getting the running game going, which uh, obviously they were able to do last year with Jacobs. But Jacobs also did quite a bit of creating on his own last year, where if you go look at the the PFF stats, he had was one of the tops of, for yards after contact, too. So I definitely feel like, you know, but the offensive line for the status pass protection is definitely good. Um, but we need to need, need to find somebody that can step it up in the the run game and start moving people. But wasn't I was pretty impressed with what I saw from uh, Greg Van Roten. I thought he had one of the, the better games uh, or most surprising games, I guess, for me for watching Alex Barr's play right card up for most of the last. <laughs> yes, year. So and, and Mo was, was the pre- Mo was the president of his fan club all summer. By the way, 
He yeah, quiet. I was crushing Alex Bars all summer. I'm sorry, yes. Alex Bars yeah. family members. I'm sorry. I, you know, <laughs> he's you not starting. We were doing it on tape. Don't lie, too. So don't <laughs> worry. Oh, I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Matt, before we let you go, though, I have to get one comment b- uh, to put you in hot water with everybody because you can't win when I ask you this question. You ready? <laughs> quarterback play. Okay, so quarterback play. So Jimmy Garoppolo had, in my view, a very Jimmy Garoppolo type game. Now. You're not going to look at the stat sheet and say, wow, this guy's going to be an MVP, but he was efficient. He had the one bad throw in the end zone uh, when he had an open Devontae Adams coming out of the slot, right, on the same play, and he threw the interception. But overall, a Jimmy Garoppolo-led offense, which was pretty much, with the exception of some of the new wide receivers and tight end, pretty much the same as it was last year. What did you notice about how the offense is running with him at quarterback versus Derek Carr? I think one of the biggest things was Jimmy Garoppolo making some plays with his feet. You know, he sealed the game with the, that last run, which, you know, I think a lot of people have grown up pretty frustrated with Derek over the last few years about. Um, so I think that was one of the biggest things is, you know, Jimmy was willing to tuck it and run a little bit and take off and, and uh, pick up those first downs with his legs. Um, you know, like you said, I feel like in the red zone, that was probably one of the biggest disappointments that it, that interception is going to haunt him, kind of forced it into coverage. Had Might have had Demonze open. It would have been a tough throw, but. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, you can't turn around and throw a pick on the other side of the field. Uh, and at least, uh, at least if you throw an interception, throw it to Devontae, you're throwing it, you're targeting the, uh, the number one receiver in the NFL. So I think that's one of the biggest things is, can he kind of get back to being more accurate? I'd like to see him target the tight ends a little bit more. That was something I was kind of expecting of him in the game last year. And the only one that caught a pass was Austin Hooper, him and George Kittle granted George Kittle's, you know, obviously one of the better ones in the league, but him and George Kittle had a great connection in the red zone where Jimmy would kind of just throw it up and almost, almost look past other guys that were open to give Kittle a chance in the end zone. That's how much he trusted him. So I kind of hoping that they can figure that out. Maybe a little bit, Michael, maybe figure that out with Michael Mayer, who was really good in the red zone at Notre Dame and is good in contested catches. So um, that's kind of the biggest, definitely one of the biggest areas of improvement that I'd, I'd like to see from Jimmy is, you know, that's supposed to be his claim to fame or his biggest or probably one of his biggest strengths over Derek Carr is he's really good and really efficient in the red zone. And we didn't quite see that uh, last week, but that's fair. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and the patience thing with some of these young players, fans don't have it. I understand it. They just want to win. They want their team to do well. They want to make sure that their draft picks that their GM took are great and they're they're on the cover of Sports Illustrated, whatever it is. They're just, um, you know, impatient as well, which we understand as well. Make sure you follow Matt on the site formerly known as Twitter. I'm not even going to put the letter in. Uh, you can follow him at mholder95, mholder95, a great follow on Twitter. So if you don't already do it, go do it now, uh, and we certainly appreciate it. Matt, thanks, my man. We'll have you back on, I'm sure, as we progress along the season. We'll get an update from you on Tyree Wilson. And then maybe next time, too, we'll talk about – in several weeks, we'll talk about to Michael Mayer and see how he's doing. If he learned how to block yet in the pro <laughs> level, uh, and then hopefully he'll, they're able to kind of unhinge him offensively. So thanks for being with us, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks, oh, no problem. Thank you guys for having me. All right, there you go, Matt Holder. Always, always a great guest, and uh, everything he does is, is top notch. So make sure if you follow him on Twitter, you'll see the tape. Don't lie stuff. You'll see the stuff from Bleacher Report. You'll see the stuff from Silver and Black Pride. He's all over the place and does great work. So. Make sure you do that. All right. We're going to take our first break. That was a nice long segment because it deserved it. I hope you appreciate that. And we're not even charged for it, Mo. We're not charging anybody for that content. It's just out there for them. Matt Holder's not. I'm not just saying it's because he's my Bleacher Report brethren, but Matt's the guy, man. And if I, you know, 
He's done. He done all. He did a bunch of Bleacher reports, scouting reports. Had one on Tyree Wilson that I looked up, and and every and a lot of things that he said we're seeing early. But I yes. as he said, and as I said, give him some time. Give him some time to get into playing shape. Absolutely. Okay. It's time to pay some of those bills since you're not paying for us. I'm kidding. Uh, we love you guys. Uh, we'll be back right after this break on Silver and Black today at Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere.